The first scripture reading today is from Ecclesiastes, first chapter, verses 1 through 11. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes round to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, they flow there again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. And the second reading is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Happy New Year. It is the time of the year when we look in the mirror or look in the bank account and reflect on our lives, consider our businesses, and decide to make some changes, or at least try. We make these things called New Year's resolutions. The YMCA is suddenly going to be three times as full as it is the rest of the year. Weight Watchers will be bigger than ever, pun intended. There are sales on running shoes and gym equipment. And I have to admit, I'm into it. I'm, I'm one of those people that loves growing and learning and improving. I'm a person that's always evaluating myself. I'm probably harder on myself than any of you can possibly be on me. I read a lot of success literature. I love Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, all of those guys. Business books, health books. New Year's and my birthday. My birthday falls in July. So I have like a beginning of the year and then sort of a middle of the year time where I reflect. A new year for everybody and a new year for me where I reflect on how am I doing and, and what am I becoming? Who do I, am I? Who do I want to be and what's the gap in between? How many of you have changes you'd love to make in your life? Anybody do New Year's resolutions? Does anybody do them? Okay, see, it's hard. It's hard to make changes. It's hard to break habits. Uh, soon the gym will be back to normal and diets will be abandoned. 
Regular spending habits will return, and the grind of work will make us forget all our new ambitions. Depending on what statistics you read, somewhere between 81 and 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. Okay? At least 8 out of 10 fail. And that's just people that actually make them. Okay? That, that, that doesn't count. All of us who are like, I probably should make one. Right? You're not in that stat. You're somewhere else. Okay? And how many of us have really tried to make changes? But in the end, we don't have the resolve to make the resolution stick. It may seem like life is stuck, as if we cannot make changes. Is life this endless cycle of the same thing? Are we doomed? Are we stuck? How many family patterns do we see in our parents and our grandparents that we still see in our kids and our grandkids, right? Is everything just a repeat? Is it an endless cycle, or can we actually make changes? Now, if you ask Solomon, who seems to me to be a fairly depressed person, in Ecclesiastes, you might think we are stuck. Ecclesiastes, perhaps one of the most depressing books in the Bible, says that everything is vanity. There's nothing new under the sun. Keep, the wind keeps blowing. The waters keep moving. There is nothing going on that we can call new. But I have a question for Solomon. Is that really true? Is that really the whole picture? Or is it something he says in his angst? Or is it something that we can all kind of say, yeah, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. We can see these issues repeat and come up as if there's, there's nothing you're going to go through that nobody else has gone through. But is it really that we're stuck? That all our efforts, efforts are vain? We're stuck in the wheel? Because when I read the Bible, I see a lot of other places where it's pretty new. Okay, I see Abraham, who's called to leave his half, the house of his father and mother and go to a new land. That's pretty new. I see Moses leading his people out of slavery with ten plagues and a parted sea. That, that was pretty new. Jesus becomes flesh, dwells among us, dies on a cross, rises on the third day. It's pretty, pretty new. I see places where I think the Bible encourages newness. Isaiah 43 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In Mark 2.22, Jesus says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Lamentations 3 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Our verse from Revelation talks about the newness of everything. Revelation says that God is going to make all things new. That the whole creation is heading in a direction and it doesn't look like the past. It's new. It's fresh. Even, Israel, even Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven and lay over the old Jerusalem and we're going to have a new world. I mean, I think that Solomon is describing a reality of life. We all do see repeat patterns, the same struggles and the same joys repeat. But I don't think Solomon is saying that we're stuck. Think of all the people that Jesus made new. The Samaritan woman who was a sinner and had all these husbands and now with someone else, but goes and gets water in the middle of the day so that no one will shame her and ends up finding a whole new life. She becomes a missionary to her own town of people that rejected her. 
Matthew, a tax collector, who gets money from the people for the ruling army, is turned into a follower of Jesus. Peter is a fisherman, a follower of Jesus, who denies him and runs in fear, and he's turned into an apostle, a church leader, and eventually becomes a martyr for Jesus. Paul, who killed Christians, turned to a follower of Jesus. Listen to what he says about himself and what Christ has done in 2 Corinthians 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our God is in the business of new life. Our God is in the resurrection business. And so I cannot believe that we are stuck And even though New Year's is not a Christian holiday, and New Year's resolutions is not a Christian tradition, I wonder if we as Christians should, in fact, embrace them, that we should lean into them. But of course, the question for Christians is the same as for non-Christians. If we are going to make changes in our lives, how do we do it? How do we actually make changes that last? How do we stop bad habits and start better habits? How do we make changes that go beyond a day or two, but actually make lifelong changes? So what I want to do here for a couple minutes is just get really practical about how we make some changes. And there's a lot of advice out there about New Year's and New Year's resolutions and how to make New Year's changes. And I think actually a lot of that stuff works because it's biblical, and I want to make a case for that. And then I also, at the end, want to sort of say... Maybe there's some ways that we look at success that are not biblical, and as Christians, we need to be careful of. So, I believe, first of all, you need to start, we need to start with evaluating ourselves. We need to look at ourselves, look in the mirror, look at our lives, and say, okay, where am I? Who am I? Am I the person that God wants me to be? Psalm 119.59 says, I consider my ways and turn my feet to your testimonies. Lamentations 3 says, Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 says, But a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So Paul's words are, If you're going to take communion, you better look at yourself. You better look in the mirror before you do that. Jesus said in Matthew 7, You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck out of your brother's eyes. Clearly, Jesus means we ought to be looking at ourselves in the eye. We ought to be looking at ourselves and saying, well, where are the logs in my eye? You see, the testimony of Scripture is that God has plans and purposes for you. He is making you into something, and the image is that of a potter with clay. That God is forming you over time. The question is, are you letting God form you? Or are there these some areas in your life where you're like, God, uh uh-uh. Nope, this one is not, you're not forming this. I've already formed this. I like how this is forming. You can't have this area. But see, God is the potter, and we need to let him be the potter. God is making you into something usable and something beautiful. So I think the call is to take a look at our lives and ask where maybe the clay is a little lumpy, right? Ask maybe where we're not letting God form us the way we need to. And uh, I think many people think about that in terms of body and diet. Um, That's a way that we can all see ourselves a little lumpy sometimes, right? 
Finally, you look at our whole lives. Think about our spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical lives. Spiritual life. How's your heart? How's your faith? How's your prayer life? How's your scripture reading? Okay? How were you at following Christ in 2018? And are there changes that you would like to make for 2019? Mentally. Paul says you need to be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. How's your thinking? Where do you need to learn more? Where do you need to, to know about things more? Emotionally, how are your relationships? How are your feelings? Are you full of guilt and shame or joy and gratitude? Where do you need to do a little bit of work on your emotions? And yes, physically, I think your body is a temple, and I think you need to be careful about your body. I think some of us, and myself included, need to make some changes in that area. The other way I like to think about myself, and I, when I do an evaluation, and a way I do that for the church too, is an old saying my dad used to use from the army. He used to talk about be, know, and do. And I've always liked that. Be, know, and do. Who do you need to be? What do you need to know? And what do you need to do? And that's another good way for you to look in the mirror at your, at your whole life and say, okay, what do I need to be? Who's the person I need to be? And am I that person? What do I need to know? Is there certain things I should be reading about or finding more about? Are there certain things I need to do? New habits, new behaviors. So I encourage you to evaluate yourself and consider what you might need to stop and what you might need to start to be who God wants you to be. But knowing is not enough. You have to actually start to make those changes. So, I think a good thing to do is just to start with your why. Why are you doing those things? Why do you want to make this change? What is the overall larger purpose that will override your daily desires? Okay? You have to have a reason to want to get thinner more than that, that can over, overshadow the need that you want to have cake, right? There's got to be this bigger why that gives you a, a look past, and that's not just the food is the easy one, okay? But in your spiritual life, do I actually want to be disciplined or do I want to be lazy? Well, I better have a very good reason to want to be disciplined because I'm going to have a tendency to want to be lazy, okay? That's how we all are. You got to have this larger purpose. And I think God understood that. Again and again in the Old Testament, God says to Israel, before he gives commands, before he gives the Ten Commandments, what does he say? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, and God tells them, he reminds them of the story. He reminds them of what he's done for them, of where they are, of whose they are, and therefore, you better start doing this. Therefore, you better follow these commandments. Therefore, you better, um, starting with that why, why, because that's what God's trying to do in the Old Testament. He's trying to change these people. These people who have been slaves for generations. Now he's trying to change them to think about how to be a free people. How to be his people. And he keeps reminding them of the story. Of the bigger why that's going on. We need that in our lives too. Research will tell you that you need to set a clear goal. There's something about setting a clear goal with a deadline. Writing it down. And, and declaring that you're going to do this. I think that, by the way, is biblical too. In the Bible, there are these moments of conversion, moments of repentance. There are symbols, like if I go to make a covenant, you used to actually cut a covenant. The idea was you would cut an animal in half, and then you would split the animal into two places, and then the people who were involved in the covenant would walk between the animals, and, and the, this phrase was, let this be what happens to me if I don't follow through on this covenant. That's what a covenant was. And uh, there was this major symbol in front of the whole community. You would do this. 
Okay? When you became a Christian in the early church, what did you get? You got baptized. You made this public profession of faith and had a symbol to go with it. There's something about us making public statements of drawing a line. Anybody you know who has made a big change in their life? Okay? They gave up smoking. They gave up whatever they did. There was probably a moment where they said enough is enough. Right? And a lot of times in our lives, we need those enough is enough moments if we're actually going to make changes. The other piece of that is public proclamations bring up the importance of accountability. You don't do it alone. You ever try to make a change alone? There's nobody there to pick you up when you fail. There's no one there to hold you accountable. And so you don't make a lot of changes on your own. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. One of the things the early church took very seriously was the idea of confession. Not that you confess to a priest or a pastor, but that you confess to each other. You lay it all out on the line and you share your lives with other people because that's how you actually live differently. Then it takes a lot of perseverance. you got to keep it going. As my teacher Len Sweet wrote on social media this week, we don't need more resolutions in this world. We need more resolve. We need people who are actually going to follow through and do the things that they say they're going to do. You've got to have some grit, some stick to Research shows that it takes about 30 to 40 days to build a new habit. 30 to 40 days. So most people, they can do something. You can make a change in your diet. You can make a change in your prayer life for a week. That's some work. Week two gets really hard, though, right? You ever, you ever try to make a change or follow a New Year's resolution? But I'm telling you, there's a switch that flips somewhere between 30 and 40 days where you actually form new habits and it gets easier. It becomes the normal part of life. It's interesting to me then, knowing that research, how often 40 days is used in the Bible as a time period of preparation, right? It rains on Noah for 40 days. Moses goes to Mount Sinai for 40 days. Israel spies out the land for 40 days. Jonah gives the, uh, uh, the Ninevites 40 days to, uh, to change their ways. And Jesus goes out into the desert and is tempted for 40 days. 40 days is this amazing time of preparation. And, and it's interesting, the Bible knew that thousands of years ago, and research is telling us now about habits. 40 days. Can you have the grit to make a change for 40 days? It makes a big difference. Now, I'm trying to make an argument that some of these things about success literature and what makes New Year's resolutions work because they're biblical, and I think that's true. But this is not just a self-help talk. And I think there are some ways in which our New Year's resolutions and our success literature does get things wrong when it comes to us as Christians. So I want to make sure I clearly proclaim this. The difference between self-help and what I'm talking about now, what maybe we'll call spiritual help, is where the source of the power is. Big difference. We as Christians are not involved in self-help. Actually, in the Bible, anytime someone tries to help themselves, it does not work out well. Okay? The source is not ourselves. The source of our strength, the source of our hope, the decision-makers about, decision about what we need to change and where we need to go and who we need to be is actually Christ. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Which means as Christians, God gets to guide us. 
It means as I look in the mirror, as I look at my life, as I try to make all these, these choices about what I want to do new in this new year, I have to do so on my knees, praying to God, okay, God, I lay my life before you. God, I give you 2019. What you got? What do you want from me? Where are you sending me? Where are you preparing me to go? That means God gets to guide our transformations and our resolutions. He gets to pick them, and he gets to be the power that we rely on to actually make a change. And maybe that's why so many New Year's resolutions don't work. Because ultimately, they're about our own strength and our own ability to change. And I don't know about you, but I'm not that good at it. We call God a higher power for a reason. And maybe we need to let God guide and let God... Let God do the changing. And so maybe our New Year's resolutions, maybe it's just as simple as open hands. God, I give you 2019. I give you myself. I give you my family. I give you my work. Take it. Do with it what you want. Guide me. Let me know who, what I need to be, what I need to know, what I need to do, and I, I will do it. Guide me. Otherwise, Solomon's words will be right. If you do it all yourself for your own benefit, then it truly will be vanities. But trust in God, who said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Maybe, maybe Jesus would say to you today, I am the Lord your God who was born of Mary, died on a cross, and rose again. Therefore, here's what I have planned for you in 2019. May you feel that new life in this new year as you open your hands and say yes to whatever God has for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a new year, for a chance at new life, that we are not stuck. So help us to live our lives for you. We open our hands. Lord, help us each to take some time in the next week or two to evaluate ourselves prayerfully, that we may discern who you want us to be and may let you form us into your image. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.